Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's Easter Monday, 1992, April 20th. Perhaps you're locked on American Top 40 Radio and you're listening to Chris Cross perform the number one song in the nation, Jump. Or maybe you're across the pond, one of 75,000 people enjoying the Freddie Mercury tribute concert performed by such multi-platinum heavyweights as Metallica, Elton John, Guns N' Roses, George Michaels, U2, and Def Leppard, and of course, members of Queen. Maybe you're in a record shop, waiting, because you've had your ear to the ground, and you know that there's an album dropping today by a band that has tantalized you with their EPs, mesmerized you with their album artwork, and blown you away with a cacophony of sonic notes from underground. But perhaps the best case scenario is maybe you've never heard of this band. Maybe on April 20th, 1992, 9,922 days ago, you experienced something brand new. You experienced something that you'll never get to experience again. Scrawled on the vivid red cover in white electricity is the name Pavement, and the words Slanted and Enchanted. Welcome to Meeting Malcolmus, a Pavement podcast. Hey, it's JD. Welcome back. We're raring to go here as I dive into, I take the cellophane off the wrapper of this LP and we dive into Slanted and Enchanted. I am fucking pumped. I didn't think when I started this project that I would make it this far. I can't lie to you. But uh, here we are. And the love that I am getting from you every week is staggering. We've got a pretty big vocal fan base in the UK, uh, a, a large, sizable portion of the audience comes from the USA. I need my native Canada to represent a little bit and uh, get them out to play as well. This is, of course, Meeting Malcolmus, a podcast which has two folds. One is to chronologically dive into the works of pavement week over week. And fold number two is to somehow try and meet the elusive Stephen Malcolmus. So far in this journey, I've got to talk to Bob Nastanovich. I've got to talk to Spiral Stairs. I've interviewed Spiral. I've talked to a poet, 
I have been tweeted by Stephen Malcolmus, and I've received countless emails and actual posts from you all out there. That tells me that there is an appetite for pavement. And next year's reunion, and I'm calling it a reunion, it can't just be those two dates. There's got to be more under the hat somewhere for our favorite fivesome. So before we dig into anything this week, uh, I'm going to send you to an interview I got to do with uh, a listener. Uh, His name is Bobby Wheaton, and we got together to talk about uh, album artwork. And um, I think the product of that conversation is relatively interesting. So give it a listen, then we'll be back and uh, talk about some other stuff. Okay, so we are now dipping our toes into long play territory, which means that the band has a greater canvas, you know, to create their music, but also literally a greater canvas upon which they can create album artwork. A listener reached out a couple weeks ago and said, wouldn't it be great if at the beginning of each new record, we got together and talked about the artwork. So we're going to give him a call right now and uh, see how this all works out. Hey, is this JD? This is JD. Hey, Bobby, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm excellent. The sun's shining and uh, we're talking about pavement, so... That's, uh, that's right. You know, that's a good thing. I set it up off the top that uh, I let people know that you came up with this idea, and I thought it was a great one. But before we really get into the artwork, um, let's talk a little bit about your history with Pavement. Where does it start? Sure. Um, Crooked Rain was my entry to Pavement. And at, at that point in time, they were new to me, and I had not I'd not heard any of the EPs or anything uh, preceding that. So that was, uh, that was the starting point. And then, and so obviously that one, and because it was more popular, I guess, in the moment, that's probably why it came across my, my ears. Um, And then probably 95, uh, I'm a freshman in college at that point and uh a long-haired uh sort of hippie friend of mine a new <laughs> friend of mine uh would drive me around in his car and he had slanted in his car um i would assume on cd at that point that was pretty far along but uh anyway he would smoke cigarettes and drive his beat up old car and play slanted and that was kind of his that was his game. Um, and I just, I remember it. I think a lot of people associate music with good friends or friends in passing and that sort of thing. So that was kind of where I, you know, that was my, my first case was freshman year in college, which is an awesome time to run across something like that. Oh my God. It just, yeah, absolutely. It just stays with you. It just hangs there. And you're right. There's the association with the time and place so much. Um, so ha- did you continue on with them? Like when Wowie came out, did you did you get that at the time, or 
did you just sort of let it slip away and it just, you know, just uh, has been always around. It was, it was kind of funny. Like, like I was saying, the crooked rain, um, album jumped out at me and was, it was popular among friends in high school. Um, and then I kind of forgot about it. It was, it was kind of like a, a blip in time. And then again, it came to me with slanted in 95. And then I did, I, I don't think I ever heard Wowie until probably 2000, 2001 or something like that. It was just a really strange, uh, experience on my end. Um, and I, I kind of grew more, um, more and more in love with the band as time went on. I, I heard, uh, and then I bought the first, the first album that I bought was Terror Twilight, which is, you know, it's, that's the end, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. So I had a really weird history. It was kind of piecemeal over decades or at least one decade. Um, but, you know, I grew stronger and stronger in that connection and i've been you know i'll go see the jicks every time i get a chance now because i i kind of feel like i'm you know i make it up for lost time and i'm I'm getting as much as i can so uh, that's kind of that's kind of the long and short of it so what did you study when you were in college so i was a an art history major um uh, and along with art history or I'm sorry, studio art major along with studio art comes, you know, a pretty heavy dosage of, of art history, um, along with that. So that was my career. And then I, I kind of ended up into the graphic design vein after gotcha. college, but, um, yeah, uh, always been, you know, yeah, you gotta make, you have to make money too. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> being, being an artist is, is very fun. And, uh, you know, yeah. that's a great thing, but yeah, you know, monetizing it is a, a different matter sometimes. Hey, you're talking to a podcaster here, so I get it. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk yeah. about this. Uh, 1992, this record shows up in record stores. It's called Slanted and Enchanted. It's a vivid red, um, but there's a lot going on. Sure. Well, I think you can read it as a passerby um, is one way to read it, you know, as if you had never heard of this band before, maybe you stumbled upon it in a record store and, you know, your first, your, your first impression might be it's a little frightening. Maybe um, it's, it's intimidating. Like you said, there's a, there's a bright red back backdrop there. And, you know, what I think of, it's red and black and white. Basically when I think of those colors, I think of, you know, like a Ferrari or something like that. Like it's, yeah. it's an intent, it's an intent, like whatever's contained within is not, um, you know, is not soft rock. This is, <laughs> this is going to be something that's going to throw you back, you know? Um, and you know, from a, from a passerby standpoint, it, like I said, it looks a little intimidating, a little obscure, maybe kind of, uh, outsider ish. Like, uh, it's a, there was an art movement or I guess classification called outsider art, which is sort of, uh, untrained art, 
which you would find in in my area, the uh, you know the South United States. A lot of times, kind of along, there's parallels with blues, I guess. We had um, someone picking up a paintbrush or a pencil or whatever and drawing for fun, not not knowing the history of art, you know? Gotcha. Um, yeah. And then there's a, but what I see, you know, from some college education and which obviously these guys had as well. Um, and even, you know, their stint or Stephen's stint at Whitney Museum in New York City, obviously they knew, they knew they were worldly guys. Um, and so they had kind of a, they had sort of a history of, of art in their experience to some extent. Um, what I think of when I see this, though, is German expressionism is kind of vibe that oh, I get, wow. which was that was uh, early 20th century, 1910, 1920s, and right after the First World War. And in Germany, there was a lot of um, anxiety and and sort of uh, fear, and so that's kind of the vibe I see here. There's and in fact, it's kind of kind of interesting. Like in the the previous Jix album, I think it was that Malcolmus refers to Egon Schiele and the Prince of French Fries or something like that. You remember that lyric? No, I don't. Oh, you have to go look it up. So Egon Schiele is a German expressionist artist from that time period. And he's, and that's, that's exactly the, the first thing I saw when I, when I started thinking of it in terms of, of art history is, is that name. Um, and then, so there's, there's a, there's a, a second story though to this, which is more dramatic and more interesting, I think really in that this album cover exists somewhere I would hope, um, and probably either Spiral or Stephen's home or <laughs> in a vault somewhere. Uh, but it's a physical document, and it was it was actually more the the real history of it may be a little less arty and a little bit more kind of sitting around on the couch goofing off um this al the album cover is derived from a the actual album cover is derived from a 50s um kind of dueling piano lounge act yes keyboard capers keyboard capers yeah so you can see in there if you you gotta you almost need a magnifying glass to see some of this stuff but there's a F and T behind the and. Yeah. When it says slanted and enchanted, there's an F and T, which stands for these guys' names. And then there's a rectangular box that's been scraped out at the bottom left. And then you've got this spiraling, um, no pun intended, but spiraling kind of keyboard coming around. Um, and I think 
you know, I think the honest story, aside from German expressionism, I think the real honest story might be more like two guys or three guys hanging out and go into the Goodwill store or thrift shop in their neighborhood and flipping through the junk pile of $1 albums, you know, yes, yes. and, and stumbling, stumbling upon what's up. That's great. I love that idea. To me, I mean, honestly, to me, this looks like whiteout. Do you it remember whiteout? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It looks like whiteout. Exactly. Completely agree. I don't know what's underneath. Like whiteout. The whiteout. There's uh, that top. The top. The so pavement is is uh, written twice, and the top pavement has a, a slightly blue outline on yeah. it. Yeah. Which look looks an awful lot like Bic blue pen. <laughs> yeah, I think you're so nailing the tools here. I don't know. You know, I mean, I think Spir- Spiral may. It would be one of those things where he would, he would, you know, I kind of cringe to go through the art history spiel because I think it's much simpler to that than that. I think it's just a couple of young kids that are screwing around. Well, it is, you know, isn't that what art is though? Here, here we are. I sure. mean, the EPs and these rock records to a certain extent are just people screwing around, you know, and we can look back now and recognize what it is that they created and, you know, the impact that it, it's had. So, you know, I don't think, you know, the art history piece is any different than, you know, than that. Like you're looking at it and you're based on your education, you know, you're, this is sort of where it would be classified, but, but here's the, here's the truth. Here's how it was created. You know, like sure. art art is often stumbled upon. It's not, you know, I'm an artist. I'm going to go make art now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I thought about it earlier today, too. I think, you know, when if you could put yourself in their heads at the moment when they're actually in the studio putting these tracks down, they're not trying to become important. No. You know? Yeah, I agree. They're just they're just having fun, you know, and they're, they're trying to, maybe they're, maybe they're trying to do something unique. And that's, that's definitely a different ballpark, but I don't think that being arty and important on the, the cover art was the intention necessarily. Um, no, but in fact, I think it could be something where you and I are talking on the phone and while we're talking, I might have, you know, a a fork or a knife in my hand and I'm scraping out, (laughs) you know, I've got an album in in my lap and I'm scraping the cover with, with this fork, you know, scraping off the name that may, may have been there at one point, just, you know, as killing time. What, What is it called when you repurpose someone else's art? And you and you go sort of piggyback on it. What is that? I guess it could. It's it's sort of. There's a term called pastiche, which is maybe not exactly what you're talking about. Um, and I could probably find out what what a better term would be. 
pastiche is just kind of like overlaying and gotcha. stamping, stamping, you know, just kind of decorating things. And that's kind of what I think that's kind of what you got here is, is a couple of kids with some whiteout and a big pen. And so, you know, ironically there, you know, this album was like very, very kind of mellow dueling piano, um, fifties music, you know, for show, show tunes and film right. scores. And it's just the perfect, like, contrast to what you're going to actually find when you, when you turn this record on, it's it's going to be the the other direction. Well, I can, I can uh, tell you that I just got my slanted record. Um, I just took it to the framing store and, uh, it's being framed as we speak. So I'll be able to share it with everybody when, when I get it back, we'll see how she looks. But, uh, yeah, I think it's art. I think it looks great. And um, I really want to thank you for sharing some thoughts with me today. And I want to ask you if you consider, you know, we talked about this being like a reoccurring kind of segment. Like, will you be back for Crooked Rain? Absolutely. I'm here. All right. I'm not going anywhere. God, God willing. So we'll do that <laughs> then. We'll do Crooked Rain. And we'll do we'll do the five LPs for sure. Absolutely. I'd love to. All right, Bobby. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks. It was nice to talk to you, JD. It's great to talk to you too. Wasn't that great? That was some good stuff there. Thanks so much, Bobby. We'll talk to you again real soon when we, uh, well, not real soon. It'll be a while. I'm also going to take some calls from friends of mine. And uh, if you want to be involved, you can, uh, let me know and we can, uh, talk up your favorite song on slanted so that we can, um, you know, pad out these, uh, segments a little longer to get uh, a little bit more diverse information than just me mumbling into my microphone. Although for the most part, that's what this is going to be. Cause here we are, right? You know what I'm saying? So let's talk about summer, babe, parenthetical winter version. If you believe what you read on Wikipedia, you'll note that it says that Slanted was recorded by uh, various members of the band and it um, was circulated in 1991 and then recorded later as they added band members. I'm not sure who edits that wiki page, but I, from what I understand, that is not the case. My understanding is it's Gary, Steve, Spiral, and that's that. Um, yes, they were touring with Mark, and they were touring with Bob at this point, but they did not perform on this record, and they don't perform until um, Crooked Rain, from what I understand. They were there for the watery sessions, but they don't perform until Crooked Rain. So take that for what it's worth. We'll, we'll get on the horn with Spiral in the weeks to come and see what we can come up with. But uh, that's, what, that's how I understand it. So Summer Babe, winter version. As I understand, it's the um, same recording uh, that uh, they recorded 
um, that's on the 91 demo. It's on the 91 EP rather. And it's on the demo that was circulated around, but it's, uh, remixed and, um, made to sound, you know, more full than the other version. When, when we talked about summer babe on the EP edition, I noted that, you know, the drum sounds on the winter version are, are more pronounced. Um, I can't imagine that they went in and re-recorded and mic'd them differently. To me, it, it sounds the same. It just sounds more full and, uh, you know, equalized and, you know, all that good stuff that happens, happens during mixing. But what of, what of the, what of the content of this song? This is, uh, again, an anthem at its very core. And, you know, you build, you, you really build to the summer babe outlet, you know, uh, at the end. But, but prior to that, you've got actual verses and choruses. And there's a structure here that we, that we haven't really seen up until now. Um, it's, it's much more traditional, even though, you know, it's, um, it's not, I, I, I don't know how to say it other than that. I mean, you get the verse ice baby. I saw your girlfriend and she was eating her fingers like they're just another meal, but she waits there in the levee washes, mixing cocktail cocktails with a plastic tip cigar. Whoa. And then you get this great guitar work. Um, some really grinding guitar work. And then reset, you build to the second verse. You get the third verse, which is a little tighter. Some people might say it's a bridge, but I don't think so. You build up to the don't go. And then every time I sit around, I find I'm shot. And then you build to that jump up and down anthemic summer babe. But who is this summer babe? Who is this um, person eating their fingers? I reached out and asked uh, you when we recorded the last uh, time, and I didn't hear back from anybody. So I'm interested in your take on who the Summer Babe is, what they're all about, and where we go from here. I love this fucking song. I don't know what else I can say about it. It's tremendous. It's a tour de force. I can't fathom going to the record shop and having, you know, my favorite record store clerk hand me this vinyl and dropping the needle and hearing this for the first time. I can't imagine what that must have been like. Um, I know for me, it was Terror Twilight, then Crooked Rain, then Slanted. And Summer Babe still blew my mind. But I can't imagine the power that would have come out of that turntable, you know, all those all those years ago. 27 fucking years. This song holds up. This is more than indie rock. This is beyond... Um, you know, one of the best records or cuts of the nineties. This is a song that holds up and stands up and will be talked about 27 years from now. 
I, I, I'm assured of it. <laughs> By whom? I don't know. By my own brain, I suppose. Uh, what can I tell you? I'm going to wrap it up this week with a really lovely note that I got from somebody, and I want to just share it with y'all. Hey, JD, I just wanted to send you some transatlantic love from the Or. Orkney Islands off the north of Scotland. I've been meaning to message to say how sorry I was about your mom and let you know that there are folks across the oceans that you've never met who are thinking about you and the great love you clearly had for her. I discovered your brilliant podcast last month and have been catching up listening on the school run with my son Aaron, who loves pavement too. His first ever gig, kinda was their Glasgow Barrenlands reunion in 2010 when I was seven months pregnant. He kicked the whole way through. He would love to hear you read that out loud on your show. Pavement have been my absolute favorite band since I was 16 in 1992. I've seen them quite a few times and might message to tell you about the first gig as it, was, as it will always be a super special memory. For now, though, good night and thanks so much for the pavement joy heart emoji x that comes from Yvonne nicole and i really want to thank her and uh aaron for listening and uh sorry this episode is so long again guys you know what can i do um i'm way behind on reading letters as well if i've promised you i'll read it i will read it i'll get there i swear I just do not want these episodes to touch 30 minutes. And here we are at 29, 23, 24, 25, 26. Oh my God. Let's do this. This is Summer Babe, winter version on Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast.
is a weekly affair you can listen share rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts for more information about the show go to www.meetingmalchemist.com i tweet and instagram at meeting malchemist steven are you listening Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.